0: Hello and welcome to Making Better Bites podcast. I am your host, women's health and hormone dietitian, Adrienne. Um, And I have a little personal update after last week. Um, We were talking about things coming up, terrible allergies and just family stuff, which I can finally share with you that my older sister that was recently on the podcast a few weeks ago had her baby, which I'm so excited about. Absolutely in love with her. So precious. Little Finley started her a arrival very early on Thursday morning and was finally born on Saturday, which was so crazy. But I just got to meet her this week and she is so sweet. It's unbelievable. I I truly just adore her and adore being an aunt. Um this is my older sister's first, which we maybe talked about when she was on here, and my younger sister has two little boys and a little girl and yeah like I said being their aunt is my favorite they call me honey um just because my first name is difficult and I thought it was a sweet name and yeah um yeah I just love them so I'm so excited to share with you especially for those of you that listened to our episode about um about exercise and fitness and hormone balance um you heard that she was very out of breath because little Finley was up in her lungs, in her ribcage, <laughs> causing her trouble at the time. So she is finally out in the world to be with us. Um, but yeah, so with that exciting news out of the way, um, today's episode is going to be about reducing your estrogen levels and habit changes that you can make with your food in order to do so. Um, and hopefully, um, my voice holds out. I have still continued to have allergy trouble and I finally got a decongestant today because I just couldn't handle it any longer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. My voice sometimes gets a little crackly, so I apologize in advance if that happens. And, um, real quick before I start the episode officially, I just want to remind you that I am not here to provide any direct medical advice for anyone. Um, So please consult your trusted healthcare professionals for any changes that you want to make with your health because they will know you best. So when it comes to estrogen dominance, um, that's technically like not I guess a medical term per se that your doctors might use, but it's just a situation where you have too much estrogen and potentially not enough progesterone, kind of like that perfect storm of things going on. So this is either going to be from an overproduction and storage of estrogen, a lacking production of progesterone, or like I said, a combination of the two occurring. If you know that it's mainly from low progesterone, this then um, this episode can still be helpful for you to hear and to listen to and learn. But also be sure to listen to the last episode, which is about nutrients that can help you to increase your progesterone and support your body in that. <clears throat> Some... Causes for too much estrogen production include having excess body fat, both visceral fat around the organs, and subcutaneous fat, uh, which is under the skin. Um, in one recent study that I was reading, it has found that there was 5 to 10 times more estrone, which is a precursor to estradiol um, found in adipose tissue or um, like uh, fat, basically, and... Um, So there's 5 to 10 times more of this um, estradiol precursor in this adipose tissue than circulating in the blood. And there's 1.3 times more estradiol in the visceral adipose tissue than in the blood. So an increase in waist circumference was also found to be correlated with an increase in estradiol production Um, specifically in the subcutaneous fat um, tissue as well. So estradiol is going to be the most potent of the forms of estrogen. Uh, I believe there's three forms total, one being estradiol, one being estrone, and then maybe there's like, I think just one more that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. Um, But it's going to be the most potent, um, which is why this information is so important about having excess body fat. Um, It is also already established. So it's already established that for postmenopausal women, um, which is, or that adipose tissue is the main source of estrogen production for them. Um, But with more information, it's being found that it can also be trouble for premenopausal women. Um, which is, like I said, the study that I was looking at specifically. Um, But in premenopausal women, the production of estrogen still mainly comes from um, the ovaries. So the other main source of estrogen dominance is going to be um, an estrogen metabolism issue, which is where your body isn't able to properly excrete the estrogen after it has been used and it gets recycled Then back in the bloodstream. So this can happen when you are not passing stool often enough because um, this detoxification occurs in your liver and it sends the unneeded estrogen to the intestines and from there it can be reabsorbed in your intestines if not passed quickly enough. So what exactly can you do when it comes to your food in order to help lower your estrogen levels and um, be on your way to feeling better? Let's chat then about three different nutrients that you can focus on to help support the balance. And first up is going to be just fiber in general because of the importance to excrete the estrogen when it's no longer needed. Fiber will not only bind the extra estrogen that has been sent to the intestines from the liver, but it will help you to have regular bowel movements to excrete the waste um, regularly and consistently. Mm -hmm. Again, um, whenever I mention to increase your fiber, you need to take your time in doing so over at least a week or more and make sure to increase your fluid intake or your intestines might not take it very well. Um, You can have a lot of bloating, maybe some gas and constipation. So you need the fluids to help push things through because fiber adds bulk to your stool and it also absorbs water that is in your intestines um, and that can make things more dry and uncomfortable for you to pass. So I know that um, fiber can be found in supplement forms, um, but I really encourage you to make sure that you're adding in foods that have fiber instead um, because a lot of the supplement forms are going to have what's called psyllium husks as the main ingredient, which, um, yeah, is just going to add that bulk to your stool and, I don't know, it can cause a lot of discomfort. And as you guys know, um, I am very much a food-first dietician and so if there's changes you can make when it comes to just foods that you're eating, I highly encourage that to be your approach first when and if possible. So I think some of my favorite high fiber foods are going to be any kind of beans, edamame. Um, I think people don't realize uh, maybe you don't like beans, but you like baked beans. Baked beans are actually a really good source of fiber and some of the highest fiber beans that are available are found in baked beans. So maybe that's where you start. Um, also berries, stovetop popcorn, and rye bread. Um, Truly any fruits or vegetables or whole grains though of course are going to benefit you especially in the fiber department so just start with one or two that you truly enjoy and find a way to start incorporating them this week if possible. Next up for nutrients is going to be lignans, which is actually a phytonutrient that acts similar to estrogen and, um, is what is called actually a phytoestrogen and phytonutrients again are just, um, nutrients that come from plants specifically that aren't, um, you know, like our basic, like vitamins and minerals and that sort of thing. Uh, So what's helpful about phytoestrogens when you have elevated estrogen is that they are able to bind on their own to your estrogen receptors because they um, mimic your estrogen like in their structure and it can prevent estradiol from binding um, to those receptors, which like I said, estradiol is going to be your most potent form, um, which then would lead to your body overdoing it and having too much estrogen if it's all bound up and being um, excessively used. So then if you have fiber and stool moving it properly, um, it can be excreted as excess estrogen rather than like bound and hung on to and circulate circulating your system and being used. I do want to be transparent um, that of the tips I am giving today though, I found the least information on backing up lignans um and it's new information for me personally as well but um as i just want you you know to for it to be a beneficial specifically for lowering estrogen in this way is new to me but there is some research and understanding behind it and it definitely isn't going to hurt you if you try to increase it a bit So there is also some research that lignans specifically block enzymes involved in hormone metabolism, and um, flax seeds also have antioxidant properties, which are beneficial too, um, where flax seeds are going to be your main source of um, lignin that you can get. It's actually ground flax seeds. So a one ounce serving is going to provide you with about 85 milligrams of lignans. There isn't any specific recommendations for how much lignans you should have daily or any given time as of right now, but they are beneficial to incorporate as much as you find yourself able to do. Within reason, I should add, because yeah, we don't want to overdo it on the ground flax seeds. That that can definitely (laughs) cause some discomfort as well. So lignans are found in flax seeds at 75% to 800 times more than other plant-based foods. It is important um, for you to choose ground flax seeds for these properties because the seeds are so small that they are incapable of being ground up properly by our teeth in order for the properties to necessarily be released and used. So um, their whole form, like whole flax seeds, The main purpose um, for those would mostly just be for the fiber source. And then finally, I want to talk to you about the importance of consuming cruciferous vegetables. So cruciferous vegetables have compounds that can metabolize estrogen and break it down into your good metabolites. Um, it also helps to support liver function, which is what we've already mentioned, helps clear out the estrogen for detoxification. So this cruciferous vegetable group is going to be very hearty greens. And it's things like kale, broccoli, cauliflower, brussels sprouts, and arugula. Again, this isn't an exhaustive list of all cruciferous vegetables, so be sure that you're going to find the ones that you enjoy and um, definitely mix it up, what you choose to eat, and how you cook it. Cooking styles can change the flavor of food dramatically. My favorite way personally to prepare cruciferous vegetables is often to get a little char on them and pair them with some acid. I will either prepare them in a ripping hot pan on the stove or um, roast them at higher temperatures in the oven. Um, So it is of course really popular to then use a little drizzle of balsamic vinegar reduction, um, which you can actually buy at the store already reduced, which is really convenient. Um, And that's perfect because it's gonna add a little acid and a sweet taste to help balance out your naturally bitter vegetables that come from the cruciferous group. And in my opinion, one of the worst things that you can do with cruciferous vegetables, besides maybe broccoli, if you aren't someone who enjoys them regularly, is for you to steam them or boil them. Because doing this is going to cause that like stinky cruciferous vegetable smell. Like it's kind of like broccoli farts is how I would describe it or like I don't know. I think people think that sometimes, um, Brussels sprouts smell like feet or like some sort of sweaty smell. So, which is like so gross to be describing for me to then tell you, like encourage you to eat them, especially if you don't like them. That probably sounds like, um, reason to support someone not liking them, which it totally is. If you're using, um, cooking methods that don't, um, enhance the flavors (laughs) rather than like, I guess enhancing it still, but enhancing the negatives. So we want to enhance the positives about cruciferous vegetables and all of our food in general. And, um, when it does come to, um, roasting them or like searing them in a pan, like a hot pan, like I said, um, one tip to prevent them from getting like steamed or mushy in that is to make sure that you have enough space between all of it on your pan or in your pan um, because if they are on top of each other if they're overlapping or sitting too close together when cooking um, that's going to cause a steaming effect and then you're going to get mushy instead of like crispy and charred i do also personally really enjoy raw cruciferous vegetables especially ones that are um shaved like super thin so things like shredded cabbage you can buy packages of like coleslaw mix um, or just shred it yourself. It's cheaper and you're going to get a lot more cabbage for that um, or like a broccoli slaw and um, that's like the broccoli stems and stuff like super thin and that's really good and you can buy that again in the grocery store or um, I also really like raw shredded Brussels sprouts that are thinly shaved and tossed with the vinaigrette. So. Don't be afraid of trying new things and new preparations. Uh, It's going to make it more fun for you. And it doesn't always have to be choices that are going to be overly time consuming. So make sure you take all of that into effect when you're going to buy a new vegetable or try something new. Or try a new technique is that um, you have the time for what you want to do. You have the desire for what you want to do. And you have a plan before you buy it for how you're going to use it. Whether that's a recipe or like how it's going to be a side dish. Or if it's going to be incorporated into your entree. That goes to all, for all foods. But um, just making sure that you are planning ahead on what you're going to do with it. Because then all of those things will help you to not be as overwhelmed. So that was um, pretty short and sweet, not a lot. Um, sorry that I've talked about, hopefully, hopefully you did learn some things, but um, as this episode is coming to a close, I want to remind you one more time here that I am going on a summer break with the podcast. So I will be back to releasing my weekly episodes the week of September 5th. Um, You can go back to old episodes, of course, and listen to them if you haven't yet, or just to refresh your memory. And you can also go on my website if you want to reference the text version of past episodes. Um, I am working on transcribing all of them, but I already have a handful there available for you. And by all of them, I mean all of them from the beginning start of this year when I officially moved into hormone health I'm not going to transcribe the older ones than that um but that's still a good like I think like 20 15 to 20 episodes which is crazy to me I've I've never been so consistent or felt so passionate about what I'm talking about while the other things were interesting to me and I still cared about them a lot um yeah, I really care about getting this message out and women understanding the importance of their health and their hormones and how they can do so with food, um, rather than relying on too much medication or feeling like birth control, um, is going to be their only answer. And just sharing my experience because I have learned so much about this all along the way and learned so much about myself and about how the female body works and menstrual cycles. It's, really truly incredible and I want to share that information with as many people as I possibly can. So um yeah, all of these resources, my information is always linked in my Instagram page, which is like my main hub if you aren't following me there. That is where I'm consistently going to be, um no matter what. So that is the time. Now is the time to really go do that. Find me on Instagram. I'm going to link it in the notes please just, you just have to click the link and it'll take you straight there and you can hit follow, Um, super simple. And I'm going to continue posting there, of course, over my break about new information, things I learn, upcoming events, and I'm gonna be releasing more hands-on resources um, directly for you to have that I've had in my mind now and I'm finally gonna have some time to develop them. So I'm super excited about those things that I have in the future and then just coming back with lots of episodes ready for you guys and all sorts of ideas hopefully new interviews if you have any suggestions for people I could reach out to over this break again Instagram direct message me or email me so that I can connect with them and try and get them on the podcast um because I do want to like I've said um incorporate more episode or yeah more episodes that are um co-hosted or interviews or whatever because I think they're a lot of fun to do and it's fun to have different voices to listen to I'm sure and um different perspectives and topics to hear about because I just want to stay in my lane and mostly just talk about nutrition and kind of some hormone information but I'm not an expert necessarily on like obviously every single illness and that's why you need a medical team um to work with you not just one person um looking at things. So anyways, I hope that today's episode has given you some insight to where you can begin with changing your eating habits to help heal your estrogen dominance and imbalances. Um, I've had fun looking into this information and learning more as always. And please be sure um, to leave a rating and subscribe so you are ready with alerts when I return when it's nearly going to be fall, which is so crazy because we're just in the start of summer right now it's like just begun officially summertime so as always sharing the podcast with your family and your friends is always super helpful um, for them for you and for me and um, if you share it in your stories on social media be sure to tag me please please so I can connect with you my listeners and I hope that this has helped you to make better bites have a great week and enjoy the rest of your summer